welcome to Nice Ashes. I'm Mike. And I'm Nate. <laughs> uh, and so I just, we didn't talk about this last time, but these uh, CAO flavors, they have a nice little kind of um, wooden and ribbon wrapper. They do. They have very good packaging. And uh, tonight we are smoking Eileen's Dream, which Mike informs me is Irish cream flavored. Yes, um, this is a Robusto, looks to be 52, 54 gauge, 52 gauge probably. You can look it up. Um, so initially, I feel it's better than the Bella Vanilla. I, after the first puff or two here, I have to concur with that. It's also a significantly darker wrapper, which might be yeah. it. Yep, and it's a little, I mean, it's a little harsh at the get-go here, uh, <clears throat> I think, especially for, like, a flavored yes, uh, flavored thing. Uh, so it is, is definitely initially a little harsh, um, but I am getting kind of a creamy, you know, Irish cream-esque flavor. I don't know if you just handed me one and, and had me drink it, or, yeah, drink it. <laughs> Whoops. Uh, if you just handed me one and had me smoke it, and had me guess what flavor this is. I don't know if I could place it, actually. I'm definitely not getting any sweet sweetness off the wrapper with my lips, and I'm not no. getting any flavor yet. But I feel like the Moon Trance did take a little... I'm getting a little bit of sweet on the on the puff, uh, but <clears throat> not, not to the extent that I could distinctively tell you this is Irish cream. Sure. I'm not seeing, I don't know if I'm getting any sweetness that I would say is more than what I would get off of a, just a sweeter tobacco. Yeah. Uh, so I've got a little game envisioned for you, Mike. A okay. little, tri little trivia, as it were. I've got, a, I've got a quote that I want to read, and then I want to see if you know who said it. All right. And then this will this will kick off our topic for for this episode. So, here's the quote. This is a government of the people, by the people, and for the people no longer. It is a government of corporations, by corporations, and for corporations. Ooh. I'm going to say Jesus Christ. You know that's close. It was actually Moses. <laughs> my 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 uh, second favorite founding father Moses. <laughs> yes. Uh, we're not a Christian nation. We're a Moses nation. <laughs> Have you ever seen that painting where it has the founding fathers and Jesus and Moses in there? Like oh a few no! Of the other Bible characters. There's there's another real bad one. <laughs> um, it's the United Nations building, and G Jesus is like the size of Godzilla. And he's like knocking on the window on like the hundredth and twentieth floor or something like that. Um, it's a goofy picture, man. If you Google like Jesus United Nations, um, you'll probably see it. But we saw that once, and it just it stuck in my it burned itself into my brain. <laughs> I uh, think that my lovely spouse has arrived home. I don't know if you could hear her nice. music in the background, but I'm hearing nope. her. Uh... It greet the dog in the kennel. Oh, I can hear some music, but as long as it's not Disney music, uh, we shouldn't get any takedown notices. No, it was very heavy metal. Very heavy, like very heavy metal. 
So it Excellent. was on my end. <laughs> For those who uh, who are listening, uh, my th- our third podcast host, she needed a kennel, so I built one. And I uh, spent the last two weekends building her one. And uh, so now she's all excited <laughs> to be out there. But anyway, continue on, Nate. Continue on. So who was the quote? All right. So you're thinking like founding father? No, 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 no. I'm thinking okay. modern person. I'm realistically, okay. be maybe okay. Christopher Hitchens or Noam Chomsky or somebody of that nature. Or maybe Tucker Carlson. The answer may surprise you. Mm. Uh, this was said by Rutherford B. Hayes, the 19th president of the United States. And he was president from 1877 to 1881. Wow. Wow. That's a shocker. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that is crazy. That's why I thought you would uh, get a kick out of that. That was definitely interesting. You got another one for me? Well, I don't. So I, I don't know that much about Rutherford B. Hayes. Uh, only that he only served one term because he said he would. Um, I looked it up a little bit, and I guess he he and his opponent didn't win enough votes to win the election. Um, so they decided to let Rutherford B. Hayes do it um, because of the way the election system works in our country. Uh, if nobody gets enough votes to do it, I think the House gets to decide. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they do. Um, and so he did that. And I, I don't know that much else about him, but it was fascinating that somebody of that era, and he died, I think, in 1889 or 90, 1890 or something. So he didn't even see the turn of the century. Um, but for somebody to say that at, at back then, and I well, feel like it's only gotten... It was, uh... Uh, you have to remember that was right before 1870s was right before the Gilded Age. And that was like the height of uh, evilness in uh, corporate America. You know, that was like a was it though? led to the progressive era, as they call it. You know, I think so, because they had child labor and and all kinds of crazy shit. And people should if they. I don't know how much they cover it in the standard history class in high school nowadays. Yeah, I don't know about uh, nowadays. I remember learning about, you know, Upton Sinclair in the jungle and, mm -hmm. um, you know, some other working conditions and stuff like that. But I guess I don't know if the corporations, I don't think the corporations are any weaker nowadays. Now they're back to being extremely powerful. They just export a lot of the really bad shit. Uh, and uh, they make everybody here a wage slave so they can't resist the system, more or less. Yeah. So, and I feel like you talked about that um, briefly where it's like, you know, you can't really vote with your dollar anymore because, you know, if Amazon's cheaper, you can't afford the real price because, you know, with inflation and, and everything, and they, and they pass all the taxes and everything down to the consumer. Right. They do. I know it drives me nuts when people, you know, I uh, buy my work clothes and my work boots and my shoes and my regular clothes. And I try to get all American made or German made or Finnish made stuff. I try to avoid all that stuff made in 
you know, communist China and Bangladesh. But uh, it can be difficult for people. You know, it's like a part-time hobby to try to do that. And then it limits you, you know. Uh, when you're buying a pair of work pants that cost you 70 bucks instead of the 20 bucks you can get a pair of Dickies for, it does limit the number of work pants you can have for sure. Uh, and speaking about like work pants and work boots and stuff, one of the other things that kind of popped up when I was looking up um, the Rutherford B. Hayes is a little thing from Terry Pratchett. I do not know who that is. Oh, he's an author or was. Oh. Um, and he is the one that did the Discworld series. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Never heard um, of But basically, it's kind of a... I don't know, it's all very satirical, of course. But um, Discworld is... The world is a disc, and it's on the back of... Uh, what is it? It's on the back of, I think, four elephants standing on top of a space tortoise. And they actually send expeditions like over the edge of the disc to get a look at the thing. And one of the big, one of the big um, arguments in the books, I guess, I haven't read, um, I think I maybe read one of the books. I mean, there's a ton of books in this series, but one of the things is they want to find out what, what gender the turtle is, the tortoise. Oh, but it's way down. Cause you have to go way down, you know, elephants and then the tortoise and, and, and whatnot. <clears throat> but he came up with this boot theory. Um, and so I'll, I'll just read it. It's a little, little long, but that's okay. Uh, we've got time. Uh, the reason the, that the rich were so rich, Vimes reasoned, was because they managed to spend less money. Take Boots, for example. He earned $38 a month plus allowances. A really good pair of leather boots cost $50, but an affordable pair of boots, which were sort of okay for a season or two and then leaked like hell when the cardboard gave out, cost about $10. Those were the kind of boots... Vimes always bought and wore until the soles were so thin that he could tell where he was in Ankh-Moor Park on a foggy night by the field of the cobbles. Uh, and that's just the name of this kind of world and, and um, neighborhood he was writing about. But the thing was that good boots lasted for years and years. A man who could afford $50 and had a pair of boots that'd still be keeping his feet dry in 10 years' time, while a poor man who could only afford cheap boots would have spent $100 on boots in the same time and would still have wet feet. This was Captain Samuel Vimes's Boots Theory of Socioeconomic Unfairness. <laughs> Which I guess is kind of true. You know, if you, if you buy decent, or, you know, you can buy cheap and get by for a bit or you can buy quality and not have to worry right but that doesn't uh, and but that's not to say that everybody can afford to buy the quality either you know so that's i mean that's kind of the point of terry pratchett was making absolutely uh there's a woody guthrie line which i'm not sure how many of our listeners are listening to Woody Guthrie at the same rate that I do, but uh, <laughs> there's a line in one of his songs that says, uh, your, two, your $2 boots don't fit my feet. Uh, a ten, it takes a $10 boot to fit my foot. And I'm not okay. going to take this, or I'm not going to be treated this way, you know? And it's like the same sentiment in a way, you know, where yeah, uh, 
being poor means that you you're limited on what you can spend your money on and a lot of times you're getting a very inferior product yeah and then you have to keep rebuying it oh absolutely <clears throat> which could be the you know according to Terry Pratchett could be the design all along yes yes well you know we live in was it fast fashion is the trend yeah, but I mean, yeah. like, if you can't if you can't buy a good pair of boots and you have to buy the bad pair of boots and keep buying boots, you can't do things like invest in AMC or GameStop and mess with the rich people's Wall Street money. <laughs> and get upset because they ban you from doing it, even though it's technically illegal. Yes. <laughs> you know, for 300 bucks, you can get a decent pair of work boots. For 400 bucks, you can get a... A, a very solid pair of work boots. But I see people try, even I work with people that are salaried, they're making plenty of money and they're trying to work with $100, $125 work boots. And it's just like, really, dude? <laughs> like, really? <laughs> like, just go get a nice pair of boots. I know you can afford it. <laughs> And, of course, those are the same people that always complain about, you know, their feet hurting and blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh, of course. <laughs> Don't be a fool. <laughs> you know? You're not going to damage them at, at the job, more or less. You'll wear out the soles, but anyway. Not to do get you, off. Do uh, you, uh, not yeah, do you ever track. get your work boots resold? Yeah. Or do you just buy a new pair? Mm-mm. Okay. I get them resold. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because if you so, buy a, a good enough pair of shoes, uh, there's still people that do it, uh, the cobblers, um, that will resell shoes, even oh, dress shoes. Um, there's uh, three cobblers within 30 minutes of my house, and I'm out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, okay. You know, there's probably here, more than I'm aware of then. Loggers, and there's all that sort of stuff. And uh, those loggers get their boots resold for the most part. You know. Okay, yeah. So I'm not sure if I'm quite halfway. Um, I'm getting, I'm approaching the halfway mark of this cigar, and it has lost all hints of sweetness. I think. I think I got a little bit of sweetness the first inch or so. Um, but now I just, I don't, I don't think there's any flavor. Uh, I'm a little less than halfway done uh yes a very good flavor as far it's as a good, cigar it's, a, it's yeah it's, it's a good decent. flavor i'm not you know again it's just i don't know that i don't i don't think the irish cream is coming through no i might get um, a creaminess but not sweetness yeah it's definitely not sour um no 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 it's, it's a not acidic cigar like yeah like the uh the bella vanilla but but um yeah, I, you know, I don't know. Uh, I guess we'll keep smoking and, and kind of see uh, where it goes. Yeah, so, I mean, it's not a dud. It's not unpleasant. No. Uh, by any means, but I would not call this a flavored cigar at this point. Uh, uh, I think, so I, I kind of let it sit for a bit. And then the puff that I just took, there was a hint. A hint of, of something. Uh, sure. That, for well, lack of actually, a better word, 
we're, we'll call uh, Irish Cream. You are actually ahead of me on the cigar, so I've been smoking it much slower than you. Okay. And uh, I'm getting some creaminess, but not really Irish cream. Yeah, yep. I would concur with that. But what are we going to do about the corporations, Mike? <laughs> uh, hard to say, right? The buy less shit. That's the, that's ultimately the answer. Buy less shit. Yeah. And, uh, you know, legally in the United States, corporations are human beings. Thanks to the Supreme Court. Uh, so at this point, we... You almost have to get politicians in who are so outside of the mainstream they would be willing to support a constitutional amendment to make corporations businesses again. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, uh, it's almost beyond repair. Uh, If the government is saying that corporations are people, then you're kind of fucked. Uh, there's just not a whole lot that can be done at that point because they can spend legally corporations can give politicians unlimited amounts of money through various means. I wonder who that benefits. Right. Uh, and now I know Ted Cruz, he just started a lawsuit last week or two weeks ago or something okay. a while ago where so there's a loophole in the law where te- a politician can loan themselves uh, $250,000 uh, from their campaign fund. So they can loan from their private money. They can loan their campaign two hundred and fifty grand. They can charge interest to the campaign and collect on the interest. So they can charge 25% interest, which uh, is not illegal in the United States. You can charge 25% interest. So they can get back, you know, $250,000 plus 25% legally into their pocket directly. And they can do that over and over and over and over again. In fact, they have to be paid back within like 30 days or something. So uh, Ted Cruz just loaned himself $260,000 at 20% interest or whatever to break the law on purpose so he could sue to break the cap he thinks it's illegal he thinks oh, that to put it a cap be, on it to put a cap on it that they should just be able to take all the money from their corporate donors and put it directly into their pocket without having anything to do with any limitations or campaign funds or whatever yeah and see so that's where because money is speech you got to remember so ted cruz's yeah. argument is that it's morally right and just and legal for corporations to give politicians money directly because that's human beings talking to their elected representatives according to the law. But that's that's where I get a huge like uh, American dream like sad uh funeral march noises or something because you know when you when you say hey one day you could be like an Elon Musk or you could be a Donald Trump or you could be a a whatever um these people, they have so much money, they think so differently with their money, and they can do things like this, uh, loan themselves money, and just make more money from nothing, 
because they bought all the laws that allow them to do it, there's really no way for the average citizen to get into that upper echelon unless one of those people brings you there. Right. For whatever reason. Right. And by the way, Ted Cruz is an extremely wealthy man. His wife is on the board of Goldman Sachs or something like that. So, and he was a Supreme Court lawyer. <laughs> they all oh, are. Absolutely. They become mega millionaires. How is Joe Biden a millionaire? He's been in government his entire adult life. Well, they're all millionaires. And when they get into politics, they just exponentially grow that. Right. But you can't really get to that level of politics um, without being a millionaire. Or a multimillionaire because the smear campaigns that they could be writing against you, you know, like you, you would go bankrupt trying to come up with better advertisements than they have. Sure. I mean, it's hard to say. Maybe in a smaller district, you could win a congressional seat without having a lot of money. Yeah, I feel a lot but, of those people are kind of like once and done, though. Oh, yeah, because the machine gets in there and then. Yeah. They, if you're not playing ball. Yeah, if you don't play ball with the machine. Yeah. You're not going to get a, a chair chairmanship for anything because you can't raise money yep. for the Democratic or the Republican Party, whatever. This is for any of our uh, listeners who are getting their hackles up. I'm sure there's somebody who's trying to blame the other party. This is a both sides issue. I mean, Nancy Pelosi is an embezzling piece of shit just the same as Ted Cruz or anybody, any of the other ones, you know, they're all the same as far as being corrupted, corrupted by money goes. Yeah. Even Bernie Sanders has been corrupted by money. And his fame to claim was that he's the least corrupted by money. <laughs> but still corrupted. <laughs> but still corrupted. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, these are, um, I don't know if we talked about this, but there was a, uh, I don't know, an interview with Bill Gates where they were asking him how much like a gallon of milk cost. And um, he he literally had no idea. And somebody was like, oh, it was so cute how, you know, Bill Gates didn't didn't know how much a, um, a glass of milk cost. And somebody came back and was like, that's not cute. That's that's sad. These are the people that are kind of setting the prices and, and taxing us and, you know, doing inflation and setting, you know, financial fiscal policies and things. And they don't know how much basic necessities of life costs. Um, just like the uh, the baby formula formula shortage, it was uh, they pa they introduced a bill to kind of jumpstart the baby formula production, and like something like 192 Dem or, uh, Republicans voted against it. The, probably the same people that voted for um, you know outlawing abortion. Uh, so they don't care; they just want the babies to be born, but they don't want them to be taken care of. I guess. Right. Well, the people who were uh, against abortion because of the right to life are also the people who support, you know, all sorts of things that are against life, like war yep. and uh, executing criminals and uh, things of that nature, which I'm pro-executing criminals, kind of, in in theory. All right, well, let's get into that a little really bit. Work. Uh, so I'm not morally against uh, capital punishment, uh, but in practice, it's just not practical. Uh, in the U.S. court system, for instance, in Minnesota, 
they don't have uh, uh, the death penalty. And Minnesota saves a shit ton of money because without new evidence, once you're convicted of a, a, a murder, let's say, in Minnesota, you get one appeal. And then if there's no new evidence and you lose the appeal, which is a second trial, you're done until new evidence comes forward. So there's two fucking trials and then it's over. But if you get the death penalty, you have the right to have your local trial, your state appeal court, your state Supreme Court, your federal court, your federal appeals court. And then theoretically, you could put it in the Supreme Court docket and then they can execute you. So that's a shit ton of money wasted for no reason. Uh, and it does cost a lot of money to house crim- uh, house people in prison. But uh, yeah. it doesn't cost that as much as having lawyers tied up in court for years with yeah. trials and everything else. Because you have a right to a trial by jury every time, right? Yeah. And you can get what um, I don't know how the stays of execution work, um, but you can get you can get those too. Oh sure. Like I know in Hollywood, it's always like they're they're on the chair or something, and uh, somebody runs in and is like, "No, no, we got the stay of execution." And I don't know how often it happens like that, but um, you know, there's lots of lots of things. <coughs> it's just not, I guess it's like. Just- not fiscally responsible as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, and there's something to be said about like the mental torment and anguish. Um, potentially if they're wrongfully accused of what, what being on death row would, would do. Um, sure. And the innocence project has found hundreds of people. Yeah. Uh, who were, you know, falsely convicted back in the day. Yep. Um, with before DNA evidence became borderline mandatory. Yeah, but uh, <clears throat> yeah. What do you think about it? Ah, uh, well, uh, I guess like initially, I think that if you did a nonviolent crime, you shouldn't you shouldn't be in in prison. Um, I disagree. I okay, think that uh, financial crimes should be punished severely. Uh, but but by prison you know, though, yeah, I think uh, by even more than prison sometimes, you know, the Bernie Madoffs of the world. I think that him and his wife should have been publicly executed for sure. I have no problem with that. Not that I'm for. Not that it's uh, economically feasible to have him go through all the courts procedures and everything. But I see no no problem with that personally. I don't think it's cruel or unusual. For people who steal that much money, yeah, and maybe uh, you know, and maybe there's there's certain limits or or upper bounds, you know, that you have to kind of break to get into that into that realm. Um, I guess I wasn't when I said uh, nonviolent crimes. I don't. I wasn't really considering you know like Bernie Madoff, um, but. The financial crime could be that it started as a financial crime, but they really uh, fucked over a lot of people's lives and livelihoods uh, by doing that. Um, and so I think you'd have to show have to show that 
Um, I don't know about, you know, like a possession of drugs. Uh, but that's different than maybe like possession of drugs with intent to sell. I don't know. I think most drugs should be legal. Um, that way you know what's in them, you know, the potency and, uh, and all that stuff. But I agree. I'm a hardliner on the drug issue too, I guess. I don't think that any drug should be against the law. There's a it's, lot of people in, in prison that really didn't do anything. Um, you know, like if you're not violent, if you didn't swindle half the country or something, um, I don't know. I don't know. <clears throat> Should you be getting free room and board, access to a gym? I don't know. Um, I think in, in some cases, <clears throat> a death penalty I'm, I'm fine with. Uh, the only thing that kind of makes me nervous is, you know, the, the innocent ones. Because no system will be perfect. No, and that's so, why they have so all I the appeals, you know. Yeah. I just don't know that it's the... I don't know if it's the right way to do it. Um, or, the, or the right thing to do. I'm perfectly, I mean, I'm not, I'm, I'm perfectly okay I'm, with life in prison. Uh, for... I... <laughs> I mean, it sounds psychotic, but I think it should be expanded. I don't see any reason why rapists or pedophiles or, uh, you know, uh, wife beaters should get off as late as they do. I, no, I no, just, I'm, I, I, <laughs> you know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a crazy hardliner, but if you're convicted of rape, you probably shouldn't be allowed out. Yeah. When I think about people that I would give the death penalty to, it's all those people you just listed. Um, right. You know, and and I know that there's been studies on kind of like trying to reform the the prisoner, the inmate, um, and things. And I don't, I don't know that, I don't know that you should discount that. But I don't know that how realistic that is in a lot of circumstances either. It depends on what their quote unquote crime is. If their quote unquote crime is being, uh a petty drug dealer then sure but if they're a sex trafficker they're probably too far down the rabbit hole of a criminal lifestyle to rehabilitate them at that point uh at least in large enough numbers to make it financially responsible to try yeah you know, we're not talking about somebody selling loose cigarettes on the side of the street which people have been killed for doing that by the police all the same, uh, you know, the twenty-second most dangerous career. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I always get a kick out of that. Yeah, you know, I you know I guess um, I think the death penalty is kind of a slippery slope because you know do you do you want to kill people and do you want, uh, and then the, like the extension of that almost is like the police force, you know, do you want the police killing people? Um, and sometimes I understand there's, um, there's circumstances and situations where, you know, uh, police are in a life threatening situation and need to do something to protect themselves or to protect somebody else. Um, but it seems, and, and maybe it's just the media and maybe it's just 
people with uh, with the message that they're trying to get across that police are evil and bad, which I don't think is what we're trying to say, but it might be, but I don't think so. Um, but they oh, no, 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 no. they tend to use they tend to use lethal force in cir- in circumstances that doesn't call for it. Um, well, see, I can't believe I'm going to defend the police here, but I am. Uh, of the millions of police interactions a year, possibly even tens of millions of police interactions a year, there's a few hundred that are bad enough to make it on the news. Uh, you know, people are people. Uh, police are going to make interpersonal poor decisions that don't make it to the news. And then there's a few extreme cases uh, like that are just egregious that make it onto the news. And let's say that there's 500 a year. I don't know how many there really are. I'm sure there's a study that says it. It's really yeah. not that common. It's uncommon enough to where it makes it to the news. You know, yeah. If it was really common, it wouldn't make it to the news. They would cover it up. Yeah. Uh, in the police, the problem I have with the police violence is when the uncommon does happen, the police departments still try to protect the cops and they shouldn't yeah. because there's millions and millions of interactions with officers every year that go perfectly fine. Even yeah. when there's a violent criminal involved or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, so when there is a cop like a Derek Chauvin, they should hang him out to dry, which they did in that instance. Yeah, not initially, but they they came around to it. Um, Right. You know, but it's the same thing. It's, I don't know, you know, the police force, kind of a fraternity, you know, you're all out for the other person and you have to rely on them in in certain cases, you know, and you face potentially life-threatening circumstances together and you have to do that, but that doesn't mean every single one of the police officers is a good person or makes good decisions. And sometimes... Uh, they're just like anybody, even in an office setting where, yep, we're all in this office building, but that doesn't mean, you know, you know, <clears throat> so-and-so down the hall doesn't have a temper or so-and-so down the hall doesn't have an authority complex or um, <clears throat> all that stuff. The only difference between maybe like an office building and police officers is um, in the office building, you're not generally carrying a, a gun all the time. Right. Well, I know that this is, again, another controversial thing. My grandfather, who's been dead for many years now, told me that when he got out of World War II, uh, you couldn't, it was hard to get a job initially. And he ended up getting a job at the railroad and was a mason and all that sort of stuff. But uh, he applied to be a cop and the police departments in this area wouldn't hire World War II vets. They would only hire the uh, guys who didn't go to the war. Uh, okay. So the guys like my grandfather had no respect for the police, uh, basically yep. their entire lives, you know, because they were uh, the guys who went to war were a group together, you know. Yeah. And uh, the police were universally not from combat, and because uh, uh, police violence has been an issue even when I was a little kid, and my grandfather told me to basically be wary of the police, you know, Yeah. back in the day. <clears throat> and I thought about that and I did a little bit of research 
And it was a common practice then, uh, post, you know, in the 40s and the 50s, because they didn't want the guys that had PTSD to come back and fucking start shooting people as a police officer because they were aware that these guys were going to have problems from their experience in World War I. Uh, And now it's encouraged for police officers to be veterans. Uh, And there's nothing wrong with being a veteran, obviously. My dad was in for years and years. My grandfather was in. Uh, But uh, if there is a problem with treating civilians like they're enemy combatants, and I think that... Well, and more and more uh, police departments are getting uh, more and more militarized with their equipment and weapons, and some of them even have like urban tanks. Um, oh yeah, oh yeah. So they kind of need few... they need the they need the veterans to teach them how to use that stuff. Yeah, well, I think that's probably the problem too. Is that I mean, even if these guys are good guys, you put them in SWAT gear basically full time, and you give them tactical shit. You're, you're going to be in that mode of, like, let's go kill Iraqis, you know? Except yeah. you're not in Iraq. You're in downtown Iowa. Sacramento. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not good. I know uh, a couple of the police slash sheriff departments up here got those tanks, their AMRAPs okay. or whatever. And yeah. a few of the local departments, one department in particular that I'm thinking of, they made a video of them jumping the fucking tank and they got in trouble. <laughs> oh, I think I heard about that. <laughs> yeah, they made a, I mean, I'm not worried about the cops up here using a, a tank to hurt anybody. I mean, these guys up here are good old boys. They're yeah. here to harass tourists and uh, teenage drinkers. You know, yep. They're not like going around beating people up or whatever or anything like that, you know. Yeah. Uh, but they, they, they wanted the tank so they could be hillbillies and jump cars and shit. Like, yeah. On the weekend for fun. They're not ever intending on bringing this thing, you know, to, you know, Leech Lake or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> They're not driving it over to Malax <laughs> to police the fishing tournament. But, uh-oh. Uh-oh. Is there a tornado, Nate? No, that's the, uh, they do a nine o'clock curfew here. Um I don't know how in practice it is with, you know, law enforcement uh, or the tanks that they have crawling around the neighborhood right now. Uh, just kidding. <laughs> There's no tanks. Um, but it's like a holdover from the 40s or 50s. This siren has gone off at 9 o'clock at night for decades. So oh, I don't so know it's, if it's... a sign it's... for the kids to go home. Yeah, I don't know if it. I don't know if there's like legally a curfew that's enforced, or if they just do it because they've always done it. Sure, that's like uh, the beard laws that are up here. Yep. Yep. For uh, uh, people that don't know, there's a, a few places up north here where the railroad was the dominant force, and they made the guys shave in the 1800s. So a lot of towns passed beard laws saying that people who lived in the city limits had to have a beard for six months out of the year so they could circumvent the corporate authority back <laughs> then. <laughs> but anyway, what were you going to say? I was going to say that I'm just about done with this cigar. Got maybe an inch left. I got maybe an inch and a quarter. It's okay. Yeah, yeah it's, okay. it's okay. I'm not getting a huge flavor from it. Um, it's definitely better than the Bella Vanilla, um, I'll say that. Uh, but it doesn't come close to the Moon Trance. 
No, I think it's I think the moon, moon the moon trance was something special. I think it's borderline magical. Really, I mean, I yeah. I really like them. So what uh, what flavors do we have left then of these? Uh we have cherry and a honey, honey don't we? maybe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, I think that might be it. I think we. Uh, I'm not sure if we should talk about it on air, but I'm pretty sure we have that torpedo as well. Okay. Yeah. If we do, <clears throat> if we do have the torpedo, uh, it's a moon trance torpedo that we might have, and uh, we were gonna smoke that one just to see if the torpedo is any different, right? Yeah, we can cap off the uh, experience. I might have an extra one so I could shoot that one to you. Okay. Uh, uh, so you could have two for potential guest usage. Yes. Uh, I'm going to have to search my humidor, though. I can't remember if I bought okay. how many I I'll bought to, when I bought them. I'll have to look at mine, too, <clears throat> see what I got. Because I know I have a moon trance, but I, I guess I didn't look to see uh, if it was a torpedo or not. I was just trying to find the um, cigar for tonight, so... Oh, yeah, for, this, for this episode, so. Um, but yeah, I guess the uh, the Eileen stream, uh, if you're going into it wanting a Irish cream flavor, it's probably not, not it. But if you want a, a CAO, uh, it's not offensive. That's kind of a, you get a creamy, creamy taste. Not, I wouldn't say consistently throughout, uh, but you do get... I don't know, hints of that throughout the cigar. Yeah, it's, you know, it's okay. It's, yeah. uh, this is a, I would say it's a dud as well, but it's not, it's a meh. It's not a, a bad, it's not horrible. Uh, yeah, okay, so I guess here's a good question. Uh, trying to just place this somewhere where you and I can wrap our heads around it and hopefully our listeners can wrap our heads around it. Would you rather smoke Eileen's Dream, or the Bin Maduro. Not the tequila Maduro. They're very similar. They're very similar in my mind. I feel. I would rather smoke the Bin Maduro because it's cheaper. Okay. Yeah. Um. I would say that I might, just for taste wise, flavor wise, I might give the edge to to this Eileen's Dream. Yeah. Um. But the but the price would be a big big factor. So. It's um, not good enough for me to say yeah. that this is better than the Bin Maduro, I guess. The Bin Maduro really didn't have that much flavor until we put tequila on it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would, I, you know what? I would probably only buy those Bin Maduros to put tequila on them because it was fantastic uh, with was. the tequila. Yeah. Um, I don't, you know what? I guess, like, so here's a good question. And these are probably too expensive of cigars to, you know, do this a lot, but would tequila improve a flavored cigar like this? Uh, you know, probably. Probably. I don't think it would help out the... Uh, the. Uh, I don't think you'd get the, the flavor they want you to get out of it, yeah. but it would probably make it more full-bodied. On this cigar, yes. On the vanilla cigar, gosh, I don't know what would help I think that that'd be all, weird. No. Yeah, that yeah. was not a very... That was unpleasant to smoke. To be honest, yeah, <laughs> yeah, uh, it was. Um, I highly, uh, highly recommend not buying that. This yeah. Eileen's dream, it's okay. I mean, I would not suggest anybody go out and get one. No, to be perfectly honest, uh, but uh, it's not offensive. It's fine. no. 
I'm I am sure curious. somebody out there loves it. Yeah, so I guess that's kind of the the differentiating factor for me is Eileen's dream. I can I can see people enjoying it. Uh, whereas whereas the Bella Vanilla, um, and I even said at the end of the last episode, like I, I was struggling to picture somebody who would enjoy this cigar. Um, certainly, if you and if you enjoyed the Bella Vanilla, then uh, you're listening to us. I mean, that's fine. We're not saying don't enjoy it. We're not trying to poo-poo uh, your tastes. Uh, but I just, there's so many better cigars, I think, out there. It was very kind of acidic and harsh. Right. Yeah, it's not a, it's not for everybody, that's for sure. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I think it's a nice way. See, I'm still smoking this Eileen's Dream. I'm going to smoke it down to a nub. Yep, uh, I smoke so mine it's, down it's to pleasant, a nub. You know, it's, it's fine. I would definitely say it would be okay to smoke on a lawnmower, um, which isn't yeah. saying a lot, really. <laughs> but uh, it's 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 okay. It's not bad. Yeah, it'd be a fine one to give away. Um, uh, I wouldn't give it to anybody. Oh, okay. I, I wouldn't because then that, then the, the gift-giving process is, you know, I would want to give something better. Oh, you can give it to an enemy. Yeah, you know, I'd give it to uh, Donald Biden for sure. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's, I mean, there's better cigars. Um, it wasn't entirely unenjoyable, the Eileen stream. Um, but not one that I would go and smoke again, probably. No, I'll never smoke one of these again. I guess I, I shouldn't never say never. If somebody gave me one, I would smoke it. Yeah. If I didn't have anything else to smoke. <laughs> or if they were one of those people that were like, here, let me give you a cigar. I heard you like cigars. I want to watch you smoke it now. Like, you'd almost have to. But I've, I've never met anybody like that, but you know, you should show me those people because I would love to okay. give you cigars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Eileen's Dream is uh, definitely not recommended, but it's not... Uh, uh, I'm not discouraging anybody from trying it either. Yeah, I wonder if we kind of messed up by starting with the moon trance. Uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. Because uh, I knew the moon trance was good. And I wanted to start off on a positive note. You know, yeah. Get people, uh, get everybody, including you, invested. Yes, excited uh, for the excited. flavor showdown. Right, yeah, because the Moon Trance, like I say, I mean, I've been smoking those for years, and I, I, I just, I can't get enough of them. They're wonderful, uh, but these are just trash. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just trash. Yeah. Well, you know what else they say is trash, not a sponsor. No, trash is uh, either are uh, the police. <laughs> nope. Uh, and and neither are uh, CAO for that matter. No, no, not yet. Ha ha ha. Not yet. Not yet. Maybe they'll maybe they'll listen to this and send us a box of uh, Bella Vanilla each. Right. Yeah. <laughs> please please don't. Yeah. Thoroughgood Boots and Danner. That's who should uh, sponsor us. Okay. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. I don't know for if anybody who's smoke. out there who works for a living, quote unquote, uh, the Danner Power Formans. I highly recommend if you have a narrow foot, which I do not. I have a very wide foot, but uh, 
Otherwise, get a pair of Thoroughgoods. They're pretty good, too. I don't really like any of the work Red Wings. I do like uh, the Heritage Red Wings. They're really awesome. I'd wear those for work boots, but, uh, you know, you have to have steel toes pretty much everywhere on this planet if you want to work maintenance so or construction. But uh, and if a police, they like their Danners, too. So, yeah. Good, good. You know what boots to get and which cigars not to. Yes. Have a good week, guys. Yep. Thanks for listening.